and we're live. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me today for a live episode of Becca's World. I'm your host, Blind Becca. And right now I have Vic from Canada joining me, but I have it on good authority that we may have a surprise guest joining us during the show. But let's get started. How are you, Vic? Not too bad. I actually am very disappointed my printer chose today to decide to bite the big one. Your printer? My printer, yes. Your 3D printer? Or No, I don't have a 3D printer, Becca. So can you define what so I actually so I actually had to finally break down and buy a printer. <laughs> so do you want to discuss that process? Yeah, my God, I've seen, I mean, printers have gotten so expensive. Why do you think that is? I have no idea, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can still buy a, a great inkjet printer for about 100 bucks. Uh, heck, I bought my daughter's inkjet printer for 100 bucks at Costco. When did you having, buy I'm sorry? When did you buy that inkjet printer for 100 bucks at Costco? Oh, about a year ago. Oh, so you and haven't bought anything like recently since prices have gone up? Oh, no, no. Don't get me wrong. You can still get the same printer for 100 bucks. Oh, even now that's prices? Yeah. Up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't want an inkjet printer, mostly because we don't print enough at home to, to warrant an inkjet printer because the heads dry up. Yeah. Uh, and then you uh, you have to clean the heads, and the cleaning actually hurts the heads even more mm -hmm. than just leaving them alone. Right. So I prefer laser printers. So I'm trying to get a laser printer and a color laser printer at that. And there isn't anything less than uh, than five hundred bucks. Oh, so you did not find one for a hundred bucks. Oh no no no! I could I could find lots of printers that are a hundred bucks. Yeah, lots but of them. But not the one you want. But not a laser printer, no. So before, like I said, I mean a laser printer. Bucks before the quarantine, also. Sorry. Were these laser printers that you're talking about right now? Were they five hundred dollars before the quarantine, also? Uh, they used to be in the range of three hundred to three fifty. Oh, so they have gone up. They have gone up, yes, yes. Um, granted, uh, the three hundred to three fifty. I can't remember if they were monochrome or color. Um, maybe the color laser printers have always been this pricey, and I didn't know it. But um, I mean, I'm blind. I don't care about whether something is monochrome or late or color. So I've just didn't bother looking, but. Now that I am looking, I find that, holy crap. I mean, my God, there was a printer, a Xerox printer for $5,500. Oh, my gosh. That was I mean, more of a, a elementary school size type model, though, right? I'm was sorry? That, was that more of an office type model, though? No, that's a home one. I mean, for that price, I expect it to drive me to work. <laughs> I mean, for that kind of pricing, I mean, Jesus, I hope it does fly and I hope it does carry my f big fat ass down the street as long as it wants me to. 
So you, so you wanted to discuss printers? That was the pressing thing you wanted to talk about today? Or was there something else? No, there was something else, actually. Okay, what's the something else? Well, I have to ask you, okay? okay. You are a published author. Yes. And as a published author, I have no doubt, because you're an intelligent woman, mm -hmm. so I have no doubt that you are aware that there are people out there who, well, share books mm -hmm. with each other. They download the books, mm -hmm. convert it, and pass them around. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Um... Well, so as an author, I knew the way I published my books when I first started publishing my books, I knew I wasn't going to make very money off of that process to begin with. Mm -hmm. And when I first started writing, I didn't write to make money. I wrote because I had stuff inside of me that I felt needed to be shared with the world. People needed to know. And that's mm -hmm. why I started writing. And it, and to this day, that's why I write. I write even more now. It's become like an obsession for me. I write all the time. And, right. And um, so, so it's never been for me about making money. And, be, and because I've never looked at it like that, I've looked at it more like a passion. Um, I've dedicated myself to it. And I... I've all, I've developed a desire to improve my writing skills and mm -hmm. and um, during the quarantine I feel like I was given a lot of opportunities to improve my skills. Um, so my second book was a lot better than my first book, and now I'm working on the third memoir and right. writing some short stories and doing some other stuff. I just realized in the last few years while I was started becoming this author that I really wanted to be for a long time because even in high school I was doing some writing, some creative writing. Mm -hmm. Just on my computer, so right. Um, I just so you. I I I think if if you don't set out with the mindset of oh I I'm gonna make all kinds of money. And and I'll and I'll become really successful. I mean I I hoped that I would become successful, but I didn't want to become successful so that I would make a lot of money or so I become famous. I wanted to become successful. Because in my mind, if I became successful with my writing, that meant that more people were reading my book and hearing my story. And that right. was what was important to me as an author, right? And at this point, I have to ask, what do you define as successful? So I feel like I'm successful. Um, uh -huh. And success to me is when... As, at least as an author, like my first, my first published book, I wasn't very proud of it. I mean, because my, I mean, I, I was proud of it in the regard that I, I, I spent some time honestly searching my heart and soul and mind and looking back at everything I'd been through. And I, I did a lot of hurting looking back. And, and I honestly tried to portray all that in my first book. But when I started, when I read my first book after I had it published over the years, I thought, oh my gosh, I actually did a really poor writing quality. Now, the people who've read my first book, they rave about it because of the story of my struggle that I tell in that first book. Mm -hmm. It's quite a moving story. But the quality of writing that I did in it, 
today I look at it and I shudder. And I, I'm actually embarrassed to tell people about <laughs> my first book. I, I always, I don't even, I don't refer them to my first book anymore. I refer them to my second book, Changing My Perspective. Yeah, yeah. In Changing My Perspective, I mentioned my first book. So I figure when they're reading Changing My Perspective, which I did a much better writing job on, all by mm -hmm. I did have it professionally edited, which my first book wasn't professionally edited, but mm -hmm. my my professional editor who edited Changing My Perspective for me, she had read my first book before she even touched my manuscript for Changing My Perspective. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to tell me that she could see how I'd grown as an author just between the two manuscripts, right? The two right, right. And that really helped to build my self-confidence and, and since I was I was wrapping up, you know, as I was wrapping up changing my perspective and I was learning those things about myself as an author through the help of Joanne, my editor, you know, mm -hmm. um, and with her notes that she put on my man, my the manuscript for changing my perspective. As I was learning those things, it's just helped me, you know, um, with my third manu my third memoir. And right now I'm in the middle of my third memoir. And um there's a lot of exciting things that are going on in my third memoir. Um, and in the meantime, though, between, because there was some time in between the two memoirs, right, when I had to take a break from writing memoirs, because my life is stagnant for several months. There's nothing happening. It was just boring. Mm -hmm. So during that period of time, while I was waiting for something else to happen so I could continue building onto my memoir, I thought, you know, I need to much and I had never really written fiction before. Mm -hmm. I sat down before and tried to brainstorm some fiction ideas. And so I had some ideas for some fiction, some, I have some ideas for some fiction uh, individual stories, like standalone stories and some fiction uh, like um, series that I think would be interesting for people to read. Um, but I wasn't ready to tackle it at the time. So that's why I started writing short stories. Right now, I'm just wrapping up my third short story. I really enjoyed it. I'm about to start my fourth short story. And I'm really loving writing these fiction short stories because I'm learning a lot about how I can move words around and make it the paragraph or the sentence a little bit more impactful, right? Right. If one thing I want to tell people, if you are a self-published author and you don't have a professional editor editing your manuscript for you, as you read back through it, do not be scared to cut large chunks of it out. Because I did that a lot. Like, because as I was learning little tricks to edit it myself with my second manuscript, changing my perspective, I was realizing that as I was highlighting different portions of the text and cutting them to the clipboard. And then reading back through it without, sometimes I'd only cut one or two words out of text. Sometimes I'd cut a few sentences. Sometimes I'd cut a whole paragraph or even several paragraphs out. And I just put mm -hmm. the clipboard, right? And then I'd have Jaws read the whole thing back to me. And if it read much smoother, mm -hmm. just leave the portion of the text out. It was, I mean, like I said, sometimes it was only one word. Sometimes it was only a couple of words. Sometimes it was a couple of words and like, I change a punctuation mark, but mm -hmm. it's just those small little changes in your manuscript 
that will help it read much smoother when you're going from sentence to sentence and paragraph to paragraph and idea to idea. And so I really encourage my viewers, if you if you are going to write your own your own work and if you want to um, edit your own work, like go over repeatedly. And if you even if you're not blind, I encourage you to turn your computer on because most computers have a talking program built into them. So if you're sighted off, you can turn your computer on so it will read your message. You can shut your eyes and listen to how it sounds. If it sounds clunky or if there's like several repetitive um, ideas. It'll stand up while you're listening to it. I, I, mean, right. I feel like I feel like when I listen to it, they really started jumping out at me. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I want to I want to ask you a question related to that, but I'll tell you why I ask, because a lot of authors actually write uh, Well, they claim, quote unquote, they claim they write books because they love to write. Now, as a as a as a person, as the person that I am, I for example, I do the shows on my channel because I want people to enjoy them, not because I want to make money or anything like that. Yeah, I, I'll appreciate the views if they come along, but at the same time, I don't care about the views. I want people to watch it because they enjoy watching it. Mm -hmm. And... If someone wants to download one of my shows and put it on their channel, by all means, do it. And so when someone comes along and says, oh, I love writing because I it, it's something I was born to do, born to do. And then they all, they get all pissed off when they find out their books are being shared. I mean... Why are you pissed off? These people are sharing your books because they enjoy reading it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just so pitiful. For example, Stephen King says, oh, I love to write. Mm -hmm. I love to write. He makes millions of dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and do you think he's squabbling about some people... Reading sharing his, his book? book yes <laughs> i well i really doubt it i mean I oh no he is he is <laughs> believe me he was one of the authors that opposed the accessibility thing to turn his books into e-print well i i disagree with that mindset as, as a creator myself i've been creating written content for a while now i've been creating my own youtube content i'm creating mm -hmm. a movie and this is only the first movie I'm going to be creating, right? So I'm creating. Well, the cat's out of the bag now. Thanks. No, I, I, I've talked about it on other, on other. Have you? Yeah. In fact, I released a video several months ago announcing the name of our movie, even. Well, way to go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, it's it's not something that's a big secret. I mean. Okay. But um. Where was I? What, what was I talking about this now? Being a content uh, creator. Oh, yeah. So as a content creator, my mindset has never been, oh, I should publish this book and make millions off of it. My mindset yeah. is, oh, I want millions of people to read this because exactly. I want a story to be 
hold. And and because and I feel like because I, that's always been my heart and my goal. I work hard towards that goal. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if that's maybe why I found the success I found because I yeah. heard my true self into my writing and my true self into my videos and my true self into my projects. And people right. are seeing that now and, and fruit is coming from it. Mm-hmm. We just like, we have so many big projects going on here at Blue Butterfly Enterprises. And I'm just yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, I love, for example, you gave me feedback just before we went on air about how you want to be on my snap show because you love the conversation. Well, and, fascinating just yeah and that's the type of feedback i want i don't want people to tune in because they want to hear about sex no i want them to tune in because they enjoy listening to it they enjoy and appreciate what i'm speaking about well like i would say no i i want to do something similar on my channel but i would like to talk more about relationships than sex right yeah blind people because no, no, I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, so far we've so far we've talked about how to perform moral. We've talked about relationships, whether our partners are better blind or sighted. I mean, we've talked about a lot of things. And last weekend, weren't you guys discussing masturbation and some other stuff? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I encourage my viewers go check out who's blind life is it anyway? Because Vic's discussing some very interesting things over there. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things we just started uh, with Monica, Monica's hosting her own show now called uh, Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday. I mean, I think, oh, yeah. I mean, that's perfect. Really? I mean, I'm sorry? Afternoon Radio Theater? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, on Sundays. And it's got no pictures, no, nothing like that. It doesn't have any video content. It's all audio. And, uh, and it just features old time radio. Oh, is it just, is she plays like the, the drama? We, type? yeah, we play old time radio shows. Now, yeah. Those aren't copywritten? No, they're in the public domain. Oh, wow. That sounds so awesome. I love those. And so, what is the name of her channel so the, our viewers can go look at it? Uh, afternoon radio theater Sunday. That's it's on Sundays at 2 p.m. That's the name of her YouTube channel. No, no, that's the name of the show on uh, on my channel. Oh, it's on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh huh. Okay, and what time do you say it is Sunday afternoons? Afternoon radio theaters on Sundays at 2 o'clock. Okay, p.m. Eastern. So, when you do live shows. Do they go up as permanent shows people can go up and watch later on, like archives? You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Plus, I also have a Dropbox link for those people who uh, prefer to download it and listen to it on an external device or something like that, mm-hmm. that they can download. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's also the podcast they can listen to either on Google or Spotify, uh, or they can ask Alexa to play our shows. So, Vic, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? With well, yeah, I'm launching. A, I'm launching a big uh, human rights violation uh, against Canada and the province of Ontario. Did they violate your human rights, or? Yes, they did by not allowing me, as a blind person, to rent a car. Okay, so can you discuss this with our viewers? 
Yeah. I mean, I went to rent a car because I wanted to attend my niece's confirmation. Mm -hmm. Now, for those who don't know, uh, the Catholics or us Catholics have what's called the confirmation of our Catholicism at around the age of 14. 13? 14. 14. And uh, it's usually a confirmation that we are living the Catholic life, the Christian life, and uh, it, it's a set of rites that you follow, sacramental rites that mm -hmm. you you get every so often. Right. Well, this this particular thing was important. It's, it's always important. And uh, I wanted to attend that this weekend, but I, we need to rent a car for that. Mm -hmm. And I went to rent the car, and I was going to use my credit card and have my wife drive it. Drive it. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? They said, no, you can't do that. The person who's driving must have the driver's license. And I told them, no. Look, the law specifically says you need to accommodate a person who, who is blind. Mm -hmm. And that is the accommodation I require, that you give me a car. I'm going to rent said car. And if I want to hire somebody to drive it for me, you're damn right I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, well, it's, it's a policy. And I said, no, that, that's not a policy. You can't have that as a policy because you're essentially breaking the law. So listen, I do believe it is written into their policies and because I've dealt with the same thing myself. But I've overcome mm -hmm. it by just, you know, the, I, I call and reserve the car and mm -hmm. I give them the driver's name and I give them my credit card number and my name because mm -hmm. my obviously on my credit card. And then me and the driver show up to rent the car and they see my cane. And at that point, it's too late for them to say anything. Do they want their car rented out or not? And yeah. it's at that point that I explained to them, hi, I'm blind and I'm paying for the car. But this is my friend, Sheila, and she's going to drive. Here's her driver's license. Here's my credit card. Here's my ID. And I give it mm -hmm. all to them. And at that point, there's really nothing they can do about it. Right. Because, and so I suggest you just do it like that, Vic. Like when you call to rent the car, don't tell them you're blind at that point. Just walk in with your cane and your drive driver in hand when you go pick the car up, and it'll all work out. Yeah, and and I, you know, I mean, they talk about they pay lip service to inclusion and accessibility oh, yeah. and accommodations, but when it actually boils down to it, they don't do it. Oh yeah, you're right. But there are ways to get around stuff. and Yeah, but we shouldn't have to get around it. Yeah, and listen, so so like I said, at, I've been blind for a long time, and I figured out how to get, make most things work. Like I said, there's ways to get around stuff. If mm -hmm. you can't get around stuff, there's ways to go over stuff or through it. Because as blind people, we do have rights, and there are a lot of uh, That's right. laws that protect us. And so – and that scares a lot of these people. So I, I have, sometimes it has gotten to the point where when I'm trying to get access to something, I'm forced to threaten those sorts of things. Right. Mm -hmm. But that I've never had to go any further than that, even because most people can tell I'm a smart disabled person and I've been around because I literally have had to fight for my rights. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I know what I'm talking about. And, and so people, 
see that in me. So if you're disabled, you can educate yourself about what your rights are so you know what you're talking about. And they'll see that when you're standing up for your rights and you're establishing them. And, and it it's a lot. And it's really stupid. We, I mean, just before we went on air, I called this, uh, this place that's supposed to be like a center to assist people with their human rights complaints. Mm -hmm. Well, on top of this woman not actually listening to me, she didn't get, let me get a word in edgewise, mm -hmm. but she complained that I was raising my voice. And I said, how can I be raising my voice if you don't let me get a word in edgewise? Mm -hmm. I mean, she wouldn't let me talk. And she said, well, they don't have to accommodate you. And I said, I disagree. And that's right then there where I would have said, well, okay, if that's the way you feel, you'll hear from my lawyer. And I would have hung up. Yeah. Because that is wrong. You know, she has to accommodate you. She can't refuse to rent a car to you. She can probably refuse to let you drive it. But it, uh -huh. that's why I'm saying I've done this many times. And what I do is I just don't tell them anymore over the phone that I'm blind and I'm renting the car. I wait and when I show up, I walk in with my white cane and I have my driver right there with me. So then I explain to them, yes, I'm funding the, I'm financing the renting of the car, but my friend Sally here is going to be the one driving it. And, you know, they're always fine with it at that point, but it's just getting there. That's why it's better just not to even mention it when you're first reserving the car because it throws a whole bunch of obstacles in there that they just don't know how to deal with. And I hate that. I hate that fact. The fact that we have to cajole our way into getting a service like that. Oh my god. I mean at least we can get these services. There was No, we can't. No, we can't. That's the problem. We can't. We have to cajole and 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 essentially uh, fake our way into getting these services. I know I I have literally broken laws about my about identifying myself just to mm -hmm. get into places so that they can see oh yeah she's able to participate because if right. I told them to begin with that no I don't drive but I'm mm -hmm. able to participate in said said activity right so mm -hmm. sometimes it just takes a like letting them see you for who you really are instead of them just knowing that you're a blind person because like because of their preconceived notions, they count us out because of the blindness. Mm -hmm. And like I said, there are, especially because of the way stuff is becoming so online now, there's actually a lot of ways for us to do these sorts of things without our blindness becoming an issue. Until, like I said, at, it's at that point where there's really nothing they can do about it. Like I said, when you walk in to pick up the rental car and you've got your credit card right there in your hand, and you've got your sighted friend with you to be the driver, there's really nothing they can do because they want someone to pay for that car that they've rented out, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and and I've done the same thing with hotel rooms, right? Like, mm -hmm. so <laughs> when I was 24 years old, I ran away from home, and but I reserved a hotel room. And when I showed up, I found out that I couldn't legally rent the hotel room until I was 25, and I was only 24. Well, I was in- I'm sorry, why can't you? Well- at the time, I was only 24, and I was supposed to be 25. Or was I 24? No, I was I was only 20, I think. But anyway, I was I was shy of the age to rent the hotel room, but I had like a credit card and a debit card, and I had my ID, and I was able to pay for the room. 
and but I wasn't 25 years old and I, I was a legal adult, right? And I wasn't wanted by the law and I wasn't breaking any laws. I was just wanted a break from my parents. So I was quote unquote running away from home. And so- Oh, I, you weren't renting the room to go have sex or something. No, 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 no. It was just so I had a roof over my head because I wanted to get okay. to my parents' house for a few days because they were driving me effing nuts. Right, right. And so, and I was 20 years old at the time, but I was- a. I was like a child because I had never been allowed to develop, uh, you know, normal growing up stuff. So, sure. Yeah. So I was like basically renting a room for myself by myself for the first time. And I didn't know that the laws were you had to be 25 to legally rent your own hotel room. And I showed up at the hotel, like I said, with my credit card and my debit card and my ID. And the lady at the desk explained to me, she's like, well, you have to be 25. And I was like, well, shoot, I, I have nowhere else to go. And and I was like, I said, I have my credit card right here. And I gave it to her and she ran it and it cleared. And I, and I showed her my ID and it matched the credit card. So she let me stay in the room. But, you know. Um, but wait, what was, what was the rationale for not allowing you to rent a room at the age of 20? Because it's it's the same for renting cars, I guess, because they want... Because you like you also can't rent a car unless you're 25. So I think it's because they want people to have some years of experience under their belt, so they've hopefully gotten all their bad decisions out of their out of their life. So they're no, 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 no. Theory behind it, I think. No. Accurate. No, that's bullshit. I call bullshit on that. So you don't think that's what the thinking was? No. Okay. Once you become an adult, you are an adult and you earn the responsibilities and rights of an adult. Okay. Well, I, in these two instances, I don't think they were, were, well, may, they may have been, uh, that's like, discrimination, age discrimination. Against me because of my cane. I really think it was because I was like 20 at the time. And again, that's age discrimination. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. But I, And that's I, against the law. Because I'm definitely not that young anymore. So I never have Well, to yeah. I mean, if you if you have the civil if you have civil rights, that should apply to everything. Your age, your gender, your sex, yeah. your marital status whatever yep you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um but i mean civil rights don't look at you because you're under the age of of 20 and say hey sorry you can't do that yet hello i'm 18 i can go strip at a bar if i choose to yeah speaking of civil rights aka constitutional rights right can we talk about britney spears for a little while by all means. Oh, this girl. Brittany has been on my heart so much. I've been praying for her and her situation a lot. And Is um, there an update on it? Um, I was just on, uh, on YouTube a little while before the show today trying to look for some more recent videos. I really couldn't. I don't think I found anything more recent than a week ago, right? But mm -hmm. um, this this video of Britney's testimony in June is just fascinating to me. And every time I watch it, I'm like, 
Yes, yes, yes. She talks about the abuse that she's gone through and I can identify with the mental and psychological abuse that she describes because I went through all of the same things, right? Mm -hmm. As do so many of these other people that are locked down under these guardianships. And um, so anyway, I've been praying for her situation and I've been like sending out information to her lawyer, this Matthew Rosengard. I send him a vi my video, my declaration of war on guardianship abuse video where I outline um, my fight on guardianship war, on guardianship abuse. And I sent him an email where I typed it all out and outlined for him exactly how he can get Brittany out of his guardianship yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, and I just hope that Matthew has read it. I put a, I, I entitled it because I know this guy is a lawyer, right? And he's like probably in Hollywood, right? He probably mm -hmm. is getting thousands of scam emails and stuff. So, and I'm a nobody, right? Yeah. So when I, what I did was Gino and I did some research and Gino got me the phone number for Matthew Rosengard's law office. And mm -hmm. I called and talked to the woman that answered the phone. And I said, hi, I'm a survivor of guardianship abuse. I terminated my guardianship 10 years ago now. And I was locked in it for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And then I said to her, can I please have Matthew Rosengard's email address so I can send him information on how he can get Brittany out of her guardianship as well. And so she gave me Matthew's email address. And this was like in early July, Gino and I did all of this. Mm -hmm. And I just hope and pray that Matthew watched my video and read my email so that he is equipped to get her out of this because her court hearing is coming up on September 29th. And I'm sure she's praying and, and counting the days and stressing about it like I was. Like I said, I went to court twice to fight my, to terminate my guardianship. In 2004, I lost mm -hmm. the first time. Right. And, um, and so I learned a lot, a lot about, about how hard these things are to get out of and how corrupt they are. And it's like a spider's web. Like as soon as they get you locked down, then it's like all of a sudden, all of these these legs of the guardianship just wrap around you and you're just in prison and you're just like suffocating. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so I've been watching her videos where she's talking about like, they're forcing her to keep her IUD in. Like they, they um, denied me my rights to um, reproductive, my own reproductive um, health um, decisions. Um, right. I was denied lots of my health decisions over the years. And so it really rang true to me when I was listening to Brittany talk about those. And I was, I was listening to her talk about all the work they've been making her doing. They've been forcing her to go on these, go on these tours and stuff and work her butt off. And it reminds me of all the crap they forced me to do for years. They had my keepers, my guardian, and the keepers he placed over me had me jumping through hoops for years. And they were my taskmasters. And they were saying to me, you have to do better at this. You're not doing well enough. And mm -hmm. they were documenting on me. And they were spent sending notes back and forth to each other about me. And I had no say-so in any of it. And the court was forcing me to pay all these people to work against me. And so it's really... a you know, you feel so powerless and hopeless in these situations. And so I know what Britney Spears is feeling like, because there's this conspiracy against her and she's being forced to pay for it. She's being forced to fuel it. And that's really hard to figure out how you're going to get out of something like that. Because the more you work, 
the more you're fueling the giant that you're fighting against. Right. And well, I have to I have to ask you, and and I hope you don't. Well, yeah, I kind of hope you don't take it the wrong way, but I'm wondering if maybe your aspect is skewed on this guardianship issue. In what way? Well, I mean, I I understand what you went through was hell. Mm -hmm. Okay, I I want I, I need to get that off uh, on the offset. I understand that what you went through was hell and you didn't like it at all. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you're coloring most, if not all, guardianship relationships as being abusive and wrong. Okay, so because of all. your uh, because of your experience. Okay, so not all of them are abusive. But right. all of them are wrong. All of them are unconstitutional. But not all of them are abusive. Do you understand what I'm saying? So are you saying that some of the some guardianships should be in place? No. I'm saying they're all unconstitutional, but they're not all abusive. Some of them are really put in place by people who really do care about the, the person that is being put over, who really do have okay. their who really do help the person, but it's very rare. And it's never all right to take the person's constitutional rights away. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm saying they're all unconstitutional because it's never okay to take their right. constitutional rights away. And, and so they're all unconstitutional and many of them are abusive. I'd say most of them are abusive. Um, I, and I say that because I've actually just accidentally stumbled over so many people just in my experience just traveling around because I've, I've become heavily involved in the blind community since I joined the National Federation of the Blind in 2014. Right. And so I go to a lot of events and I travel on a lot of Greyhound buses and so I meet a lot of people of other disabilities too because there's people who can't walk and people who are deaf and people who have lots of learning disabilities and stuff. Mm -hmm. who take Greyhound buses or who take public transportation overall. Mm -hmm. And and so I meet a lot of these people. And I have to tell you, the fact that I have just accidentally, inadvertently, without even trying, met so many people who are locked down under their own guardianships, that just tells me that it uh, must be a massive problem. Because if I'm accidentally meeting these people, once mm -hmm. I really get started, because I'm going to seek these people out. My company's purpose is to tear down these guardianship laws. You know what I mean? Because they mm -hmm. are creating prisons for people. And, yeah, and I don't, I don't fault you for that at all. Yeah. I don't fault you for that. And like I said, I mean, I have no doubt that what you're saying, you believe what you're saying is true. I have no doubt of that, and I don't criticize it at all. And uh, I'm just, I'm just wondering if you know, at some point, is there a place for guardianships in the world at all? Not the way they're currently, not the way the laws are currently written, and not the way they're currently being um, administered. There's okay, can you be, can you be specific about that? So. I think there there probably is a call for a, te a temporary animal of some kind mm -hmm. um, to help a person 
with some things like, like some people, lots of people wind up temporarily incapacitated, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you're temporarily incapacitated and they come along and they take your entire life away from you like that, that's what I'm talking about. There needs to be laws. The laws need to be re rewritten to protect people from that happening. Because that's right. what happened to me, and I suspect that's what happened to Britney Spears, too. And that's what happens to a lot of these people. I think it more... <laughs> The way they did it to me was they it started with the temporary guardianship and then six months later when they took me back to court and had it flipped from a temporary into a permanent guardianship they simply mm. just didn't i didn't have any representation that's that day and the yeah court didn't even, the court completely missed it right right and that's how they railroaded me into it and i'm just saying the laws need to be written so that does not happen to anybody anymore. So, so what? Point, they didn't. They didn't afford you legal counsel at that point. No, I had no legal counsel, and my constitutional rights were completely violated. Six months before, they said, "Oh, this is temporary, so her rights will temporarily be violated in order to protect her." You know what I mean? Okay, so they. I mean, at what point did they readdress those that that that? Guardianship. I mean, at what point did they reassess it? In 2004, when I filed my first motion to overturn the guardianship. And uh -huh. that was, I mean, I'm making a movie about what happened at that point. And right. so um, I invite our viewers to stay tuned and to read my books because right. that is my focus. And, um, and the things that happened after I lost in 2004, because I was really pissed off. And mm -hmm. I was really beaten too. I felt like I'd been run over by a Mack truck that was written, that was driven by those lawyers and my freaking mother, right? Right. They totally railroaded me in court, and it mm -hmm. was wrong. And I had to pay for the whole thing because the judge was friends with the guardian. Right. And so it was so corrupt, right? And mm -hmm. Britney Spears finds herself entrenched in similar corruption. Right. And, and that's why people. We need to get back to the looking at things from the perspective of what does the law really say? Well, the law says what the Constitution says. And, mm -hmm. and that's why I'm saying my guardianship never should have been put, up, put in place in the first place. Neither should have Britney Spears and neither should anybody else's because if they look at the Constitution, they never like they're, they're unconstitutional. Yeah, they should, they should never be put in place in the first place. Because they mm -hmm. can only violate our constitutional rights. The First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Third Amendment, every one of them was, all my, every one of my First Ten Amendment rights was violated at one point or another I, when I was locked down under, under my guardianship for 15 years. And Britney Spears is starting to realize that herself. I've been watching yeah. her videos and I'm, she's changing what she's talking about. She's no longer trying to defend her decisions, because that's not the point. They had me trying to defend my decisions, but I hear her talking now about what her rights are. Mm -hmm. And that is the point. Her, right. The point is not that, oh, Brittany's been making better decisions, because that's BS. It doesn't matter what any what decisions anybody makes. We're all human beings. We're all Americans. And the Constitution says that we were all created by God and we were given the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. And and so anybody, if you're locked down under guardianship right now, let me ask you, are you being granted the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? 
I guarantee you, you're not because I lived under a guardianship for 15 years. Even, even my second guardian that took over in 2004, he was good to me and my family. He was not abusive like the first mm -hmm. guy was, but even he knew it was wrong. And all those years, because I stayed under that guardianship, like I lost in 2004 and then I went back in 2012 and I won. But between 2004 and 2012, I had to do a lot of healing because of the trauma I went through from, with the first guardian. And my second guardian, his name is Vic. Um, mm -hmm. Vic was really good to me and my family when he was my guardian, that, that sec when he was the second guardian. And he actually helped me, helped me with the healing process. And when I was ready to take over some decision-making in my life, he, he was was willing to grant me some decision making and and I noticed that like over time when I started feeling brave enough to come out of my shell and start living life again all mm -hmm. and I would and I started like the first time I had to call Vic it was really scary it was hard because of how abusive the first guardian had always been to me when I had to call him right but the first time I called Vic he was so nice to me and he said to me he said sure I'll do that for you it's your money why not right Mm -hmm. And it really blew my mind because when I, when Vic became my guardian and he took this different mindset, see the first guardian was total host, totally hostile towards me. He mm -hmm. only wanted to protect the money because him and my mother sued for that money when right. I was a child and, and it was awarded to me when I was a child and the government I feel was, what's the word I'm trying to think of? They were, um, complicit not complicit but the government did me wrong mm -hmm. like awarding a minor child a multi-million dollar settlement and and appointing that that minor child's uneducated mother to be the conservator of that money and, mm -hmm. and then that child has no representation for years and then when that child becomes 18 the first chance that mother gets she drags that child into court and has her from the the lawyers appointed that child's guardian. Yeah. You know, and it was so wrong and I'm still so angry about it. And that's why I'm doing all of this, but it makes me so mad that they did it to me. But then I find out they're doing, they did it to Britney Spears and they, they do it to a lot of other people. And I'm telling you this, if you're watching this, you got to believe me. I, I, suffered through this guardianship for 15 years. And during that fight over the years, I met so many other people who were locked down under their own guardianship and or conservatorship as well. And they said the same things I said, I don't know how I got locked under this and I don't know how to get out of it. Hmm. And I was always saying those same things to myself, but I was also saying, I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out. And I did. And that's why I have opened my company and why I'm doing my YouTube channel and why I'm writing all my stuff because I want to make sure that as many people as possible hear my story. So other uh, other victims of guardianship and conservatorship abuse hear my story and they figure out and they hear how they can get out of their own conservatorship and or guardianship because mm -hmm. it is I am so serious. These people, these uh, keepers and these caregivers, they run these people ragged and they ran me ragged trying to make us trying to make me and trying to make Britney Spears and all these other people jump through these hoops. They try to make you perform better. They treat you like, like a circus animal or like a, a pet, right? Mm -hmm. or, or a rat, right? And 
and it, it just made me so angry because when I read the Constitution and and the way the Constitution was written, like I said, when I read those words, all men, and that means men and women, all men were created equally by God and have been endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That means everybody. That means me. That means my neighbor. That means my coworker. That means the Lyft driver that I'm riding with. That means everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and for years, those people had me convinced that because <clears throat> I was blind and because I was brain injured, that I didn't have the right to expect to live a normal life. I didn't have a right to expect to make my own choices. And it makes me so angry that they robbed me of those choices for 15 years, where all mm. the law is written right there in the Constitution. And those lawyers must have known that they were violating my constitutional rights. And that's how I'm getting even with them every time I talk about this. And every time someone reads one of my books that I'm writing. Right. I think we should take a break. Yes, let's take a break. Gino, can you play the commercial? Hey, everybody, great news. You can now get both of my books on Audible. My first book, Because You're Blind, is the story of how I went from that terrified little girl who woke up suddenly blind and brain injured at the age of 12 years old, and then years later was locked down under an illegal and corrupt guardianship in the state of Montana for 15 years. It's the story of how I defeated all of that and overcame all of that. And then my second book, Changing My Perspective, is how I used my own thinking to empower myself to change my life after all of that. And now today, I am the founder and president of Blue Butterfly Enterprises, as well as host and creator of Becca's World on YouTube. And I have a lot of other great projects going on. But I just wanted to encourage you guys to check out the audible versions of my books because they're both good stories. And you can get, there's, I have some free downloads of each book available. If you email me at info at bluebutterflyenterprises.com, I would be happy to send you a free download so you can check it out. Thank you so much for your time. And now back to the blind view. Welcome back, everybody. Are you there, Vic? Yeah, I'm here. Um, I guess Leon hasn't joined us yet. Do you want to talk some more, Vic? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have a question because you experienced a desire, well, a desire <laughs> to be on our show on Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway called Snap, uh -huh. which is a Saturday night adult party. So I'm going to ask you a basic question. Okay. How do you feel about sex? Okay. I have believed for most of my life, that sex was created by God and was mm -hmm. given to mankind. Mm -hmm. um, I do feel like here in the United States and possibly in Canada too, I'm not really clear on Canada's stuff, but I do feel like here in the United States, like we're very sexually frustrated. I feel like we're in sexual bondage and that we have a lot of sexual dysfunction mm -hmm. and a lot of sexual miscommunication that goes on here. Um, and it's, a lot to do with the fault of our media and the fault of what we're t taught growing up. Um, and I 
personally, like I said, I to me, sex is normal. It's it's something that was created by God um, for reproductive purposes and a way for us to, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, spend time with those we love, right? And uh, I don't know. Does that answer your question? No. <laughs> well, you're just asking what sex was, right? Or well, let me ask you something. I mean, I, I've always felt that England is a lot more advanced. I said Europe, not England. Didn't I say Europe? I'm not sure if you said Europe or not. Yeah. Well, I, I, I this is how I feel now. Okay. I mean, I've always felt England was far more advanced than us, kind of like our big sister in a way, because they've been around longer than North America has in terms of of, of society. Mm-hmm. And they've been ever more open about sexuality than I think we have. Mm-hmm. And... Yet, I mean, it's amazing how religious they are over there, and yet they seem to be a lot more open about sex than we are. Do you find that? Um, oh, I definitely agree that Europeans are more open sexually than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never really thought about how they were when it comes to religion, but you know, now that I think about it, I, I see what you mean because. Catholicism comes from over there, and like yeah. a lot of a lot of religions came from Catholicism. So yeah, and a lot of our sexual hangups, I think, come from religion. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Like I know myself, a lot of a lot of the a lot of my sexual thoughts and a lot of my relationship thoughts have been formed because of my religious upbringing or or because what i've seen in social media or i don't mean social media but like on tv and stuff you know right and i think i think that's how a lot of american children um and i'm i'm not just speaking as a blind american i'm speaking as a sighted american too because i spent a good part of my life as a sighted american and i'm partially sighted now so Mm -hmm. um i just feel like um because the media has made sex such so in everybody's face that it's confused our younger generation about how to deal with sex because yeah. they're, they're told that they should be ashamed of their body and they should be ashamed of having sex and yet it's right in their faces i think we need to be if it's gonna be right in their faces they should be told it's okay and it's natural because it is okay and natural right we made to feel ashamed of it now obviously we need to think about teenage pregnancy but has teenage pregnancy been helped with what we've been doing i don't think so no maybe if we were just honest with our kids and treated them like adults mm-hmm. it would be taken care of because they would no, it would no longer be taboo and it would no longer be what it's been right and i mean i can honestly say that a lot of my sex education came from television and porno you know, and and that is so wrong on so many levels. If I wasn't as learned as I am with reading and and how much I read, I don't think I'd know nearly as much as I do now. And one has to wonder. 
I mean, how do you feel about sex for pleasure? I mean, aside from monkeys. Wait, 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 or, wait. Are you asking me that question? How do I feel about sex for pleasure? Yes. Okay, so will you let me answer that? Are you? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I was gonna. I was gonna elaborate on that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, aside from monkeys, humans are the only other species that actually have sex for pleasure. And I find it despicable that people aren't allowed to do that. In so many countries, women aren't allowed to have sex for pleasure. They're not allowed to investigate their bodies because it's considered a sin. You know, and I think that's so wrong on so many levels. I mean, if a person is going to get to know their bodies, they should do it. And and don't you know they shouldn't have to pick up a a porn mag or a porn movie to to learn what what an an ejaculation is. I'm sorry, I think that's wrong. Does that we we talk about these things on our YouTube channels then? So they can I think that well, that's why I talk about mine. I don't know about yours. <laughs> well, I I do agree with you in a way. So like I just remember growing up and just feeling really frustrated because so much stuff was taboo, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. We're all human beings, you know what I mean? And yeah, and and the older I've gotten, the wiser I've gotten, and the more convinced I've become that that it's the right way to think that we're all humans and that this is all normal and we need to stop shaming each other for these differences because mm -hmm. th this is really connected to honestly the all of our problems I think because just like like we're so sexually frustrated and we're not sexually open with each other and if we are sexually open then we shame each other because of our sexual stuff you know Yes. Well, it's the same with our race, you know. It's the same with um, our disability. It's the same with so many things in life. I if agree. People learn to be comfortable with their bodies. I think maybe everything will just fall into place. Because honestly, maybe sex is one of the hardest to overcome. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people are at that point where... Uh, I mean, let me proffer an example. Uh, homosexuality, for example. Mm -hmm. I think of it now as a commonplace thing. I mean, I don't even think twice about homosexuality at all. Mm -hmm. But yet, 20, uh, well, I'll go even as far as 30 years ago, people couldn't even think about being homosexual. Mm -hmm. They had to hide it in closets and they had to hide it away. Oh yeah. You know, and and it's like okay, but why? Is that a religious thing? Maybe. And and yeah, so I believe it was I don't want to say a religious thing, I believe it was a religiosity thing. There's a difference between religiosity and the scriptures in my mind. Religiosity, the re religiosity, yes, it's the religious spirit that is forced on people by other people who sit in judgment of said people. Yes, and there it is. The there's the word judgment. Yeah, people who sit in judgment of each other without looking at their own faults first. And see, 
many people miss part of the word of God that says not to sit in judgment of one another. Exactly. And exactly. So, and I have I have some very close members of my family who, like when I was growing up, they always said, Oh, Beck, you're so religious. I wish I could have the kind of faith that you have. And here I am 30 years later now, right? Still having this faith. But I just want to point out to them that it's because of that faith that that I've been able to accomplish what I've been able to accomplish. It's because I've been able to figure out how to, you know, take my mind out of out of myself so much and kind of, you know what I mean, focus on the people around me more. I have to disagree on you there. You disagree? I think so. So what do you think? Because I don't think it's faith in God that got you through what you've been through. What do you think it is? Faith in yourself. Oh, yeah, but they're one and the same because, listen, if you... No, they're not. No, wait, stop. No. They are not one and the same. I beg your pardon. No, well, but if you have faith in God, that means you read his word. And if you read his word and have faith in God, that means you believe his word. And if you have faith in God read his word and believe his word, then that means you have beliefs in yourself and your own ability. No, that's that actually, that's the total, that is the diametric opposite of each other. God's word tells us about, about the powers and abilities he gives no. us. No, having yes. faith, having faith in God's word does not leave any room to have faith in your own word. No, not in your own word, but like, so when the world is telling you that you you can't do something or that you're disabled, like they told me for a long time, uh -huh. they kept saying, no, you're wrong. God says I'm not disabled. God says I have abilities. Really? Where does God say that? He says it in his word. Where? He says he uses, what does he say? He says he uses the, the simple to confound the wise. That's what he's talking about there. I'm sorry, what? It's scattered throughout the scriptures, but one of the most famous scriptures goes something like, God uses the simple to confound the wise, or he uses the weak to confound the strong, or he uses the uneducated to confound the educated. It's the same concept. No, it isn't. It is. No, because nowhere in the Bible does it say that a person with a disability is equal to anyone else. It says that we're all equal to each other. No. Does it does it not. Does it doesn't say anything about people with disabilities. In fact, that's why people with disabilities have been historically mistreated this whole time. Okay. Because nothing in the Bible, nothing except man's law has made us equal to them. Okay. I guess what I guess we're talking from two different angles here. What I'm saying is, when you believe in God's law and you follow God's law, and God's law is supreme, and when you realize that God's law never anywhere disses disabled people, never puts disabled people below everybody else. Well, it doesn't do that with black people either, or that's Chinese people. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So as a Christian, like I, I'm accepting. To blacks and Chinese and disabled people, right? That's my whole point. 
Right. But is that a religious belief or a moral belief? Oh, to me, they're one and the same because I developed my morals when I was a very small child, the same during the same period of time when I was becoming a Christian. So to me, right. they're very, they want, they're hand in hand, really. My, my moral beliefs and my, my Christian beliefs, you know? Well, I mean, I honestly, respectfully dis disagree with you. I think a person has faith in themselves. And if they want to believe that God is the perpetrator of everything, by all means, after you have faith in yourself. Okay, so I believe I have faith in myself, but my faith is that God has given me the tools that I need in myself to accomplish what I want to get accomplished. That's where my faith lies in myself. Does that make we, sense? But here's the thing. I mean, you cannot believe that God, you can't have faith in God's quote-unquote plan and still think you have free will. God gives us free will. How? I can choose to murder my sister in her sleep tonight. No, you can't. I, I, oh, yes, I can. I have no, 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 no. Because everything is according to God's plan. Right. Right. So if you murder your sister tonight, well, it's it's about, it's because God planned it that way. It's it's about getting my free will in line with God's plan. And once you do that, that's when you start finding success. At least that's no, I'm sorry. I cannot agree with you on that. God's plan is God's plan. If you believe in God's plan, that means you don't have a plan of your own. No, that means that I have given my free will up to God's plan because I love God and I have for years now, given my free will up to following God and his plan for my life. And I have seen the fruits of it. And I, okay. Does that make sense? Well, touche, touche. But here's the rub. You just said, and I quote, I give away my free will. I said, I have given it away to God. I didn't say I right. give it away. Which, me which means you no longer have free will. But God gives it back to you. And no. No, he, he doesn't. He says he'll give. And it's not. He doesn't say in his Bible, if you give me your free will, I give it back to you. He says anything he, we give to him, he will give it to us tenfold. And that's honestly how I feel. I gave him my free will. For years and years, he called upon me to give him my free will, to walk this difficult path, to do what he had called me to do, to, to participate in all this horrible shit. And, and he kept saying to me, this is what I'm calling you to do because I'm preparing you for something. And, and now here I am. And I see it now. Well, and, and I don't believe that. That's how I, I think if you give... God's will for my life. If you give away your free will to God... That means you're giving up your own free will to whatever God's will is. So I, what I'm doing is I'm aligning my will to God's. That's I, not aligning. You're giving it away. I think we're mixing words here. No, we're not. I'm sorry. I, I don't think so at all. So I gave my free will away to God. I, I gave my life to God. I committed my life to God. 
and I don't, I don't regret it. I mean, I, and I, I can't. Oh, no, I don't, I'm not, no, no, don't get me wrong. I am not asking you to regret any choices okay. you've made. So then what's your point then? My point is that a lot of us sit in moral judgment of each other when we don't even look at our own faults first. Mm -hmm. And I think that's gotten us way back. Mm -hmm. I think that set us back so badly that we need to mature a lot. I think humanity as a race needs to mature a hell of a lot longer, A, if we're going to save the prob- the planet, B, if we're going to eliminate poverty and destruction and war, and C, if we're going to make our, our lives better for each other's uh, benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and that's something I don't think we will ever do, to be able to sit... Uh, comfortably in our own skins without judging anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I, I, I really feel bad for everyone, including myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to push as hard as I can against that, that thought, but it seems on a daily basis that I can't. What thought? I, what thought? The thought that, you know, I, I don't have control over my endeavors. Okay. So you feel like you don't have control over your own endeavors? You, right, right. Well, but you have you have the ability to throw as much energy and passion into your endeavors as you choose. So how do you feel you don't have power over them? Well, everyone around me is telling me that I don't have the power to do that because everyone's telling me God is the one who's got the plan or you have to believe in faith. You have to believe or have faith in in circumstances working out to whatever is supposed to work out. So are you doing anything to try to make something happen? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, so. So then, okay, for example, you are walking down the street and you happen to trip on a crack in the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. For example, someone might come along and say, oh, God meant for for that to happen because, I don't know, maybe you should have noticed that crack on your way uh, on your way down the street. I I, I mean, this is just an example. I'm not saying that's actually what they would say, but I'm I'm using that as an example. Somebody would say that, oh, that that was God's plan for you to fall. He meant for you to fall for a reason. So listen, that's why I keep referring back to God's word. If people read God's word, they'd see that God doesn't do things to us because we do things. God is omnipotent. He could strike us dead right now if he wanted to. Why the heck is he going to do like something silly to us because we did something silly to him? And yet you still think you have free will. I think, I think people have misjudged God. I think people have, have, 
are wasting their time trying to do things to please God, to get God to bless them when God's just wanting them, wanting to bless them if they just have faith. And yet you still think you have free will. Of course you have free will. <laughs> That's why there's all these people running around who are saying God doesn't exist, who are saying I, you were saying we're doomed. Who's saying this virus is going to kill you? People have all kinds of free will. They have free will to say what they want. They have free will to believe what they want. And they have free will to do what they want. But I have to tell you, I think it's the believing that's the most important. Because mm -hmm. I like I had to try really hard to get my believing muscle working, right? Right. And and, and I, I worked hard on it for a long, long time. And if you can get your believing muscle working, it gives you a lot of fuel to make manifest a lot of great things in your life, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, 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 I love being on this show with you because specifically we have such interesting conversations, but it's also because I think you and I can respectfully disagree with something mm -hmm. and move on to other topics as, uh, and not ruin our friendship over it. And that's the best part. Mm -hmm. You know, when you can discuss something with someone like we do on The View, and and not worry if it's going to ruin our friendship or not because we're talking about it and if we don't seem to well quote unquote align our 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 ideals in the same way we can safely say that hey you know what if she believes something else that's up to her i'm not going to push her into believing what i believe that is what I sh I push for in society, and I am and and because of you, I love that about you. The fact that you and I can do that together, you know, and I kind of wish we had more people on the show who could discuss this way. Yeah, well, that's why we're trying to get some other people involved. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. But I just we're 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 both living on separate opposite sides of the border. You're in Canada and I'm in in America and mm -hmm. so we're we're kind of talking from different perspectives here too. Um actually, well, no, because honestly, uh, I think both our societies are equally the same ideals and morals as each other because you know just like i can't go down there and murder someone you can't come up here and murder someone oh i i agree but like i said like i said last on our last show here we've got our constitution and and, and here we have our constitution too I don't know what your constitution says, but I'm an American and I take great pride in my constitution. And yeah, same here. Same here. We have a constitution also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've got civil rights just like yours. We call our civil rights a charter, charter of rights and freedoms. Mm -hmm. And you call your civil rights the American. Well, I forget what you guys call it. I think it's the civil liberties. Um, it's the Constitution of the United States of America. Oh, 
Okay, I, I don't think that's the actual name of it, but okay. Yeah, so it's the Constitution of the United States of America and the First Ten Amendments are known as the Bill of Rights. Right, the Bill of Rights, that's it, but yeah. The whole document in its entirety is known as the Constitution of the United States of America. Right, but There's actually right. more to it than just those First Ten Amendments, but... Yeah, no, no, I get it. And uh, like us, like you, we have what we call a Bill of Rights, only ours is called the Charter of Rights and Freedom. So, I mean, like I said, a larger document like ours is part of the, yeah, it's part of our constitution. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just like yours is the bill of rights is a set a part of your constitution. Our charter of rights and freedoms are a part of our constitution. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's like, you know, you can't go from one country from Canada to the U S and, see a different life because honestly oh, yeah, I think the two are the same. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. Anyway, I think we had a great discussion this week. Yeah, well I have something else I want to talk about. Oh yeah? I want to talk about this multi trillion dollar stimulus bill that it, it, I try to remember did it I think it just passed or they're working on passing it. Uh, somebody figured it out. If they gave every American citizen $10,000, it'd be a drop in the bucket compared to the size of the stimulus bill. And the stimulus bill is going for a whole bunch of garbage. That's They're wasting our tax dollars. It's just pissing me off. Like what? I mean, what is it, get, what is it paying for? Oh, a bunch of uh, stuff for uh, illegal aliens and stuff like that. I don't know. There's a whole, there's like thousands and thousands of pages. As usual, our politicians are coming out with these bills that are so long that none of us can read them, and they can't even read them, so they're just passing them. They're just saying yes and go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I you know what? I don't. I I'm not sure that you're a hundred percent correct on that. Like Unless I said, I think. Well, I don't. I don't think that your government would specifically make laws that will allow illegal aliens to get benefits. Okay, Vic. I'm really sorry. I have to interrupt the show because I have to go get my son. I had to do this last week too. <laughs> <laughs> that reminder on my alien. I mean, how dare your son decide to come home at this hour? Because it's too hot for him to walk. Like in a few weeks. No, no, I know, I know. I'm just making a joke. Bike, I'm making hot. a joke. End the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us today. And I'm sorry that I have to run out, but I got to go get my son from school. Um, please like, share, and hit the subscribe button. And you can email us at info at bluebutterflyenterprises.com if you want to participate. Thank you for participating today, Vic. Thanks. That's a wrap. Thank you for watching Becca's World. Please like, share, and subscribe to my channel.